Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Derek. And Derek, before we get started, I just want to send a quick thank you uh, to everybody out there who supported the show, left a review, bought some stickers. I went to the post office yesterday and I shipped a bunch of stickers to all over the place. Canada, Texas, two to Texas, actually, different parts of Texas. Uh, Where else? New Jersey. Um, So we've got them all over the place. Detroit. So anyway, um, I want to send a shout out to everybody who who, uh, is getting those stickers and everyone who left a five-star review. Remember, if you go to RetroTimePodcast.com slash reviews, you can peep all those five-star review jams that uh, Mr. Derek Siebert has been writing and uh, keep those five-star reviews coming. And and remember, you'll get your own song if you uh, leave a five-star review. So we will thank you very much, and we appreciate the support. We do. That said, Derek... We got a special guest today. We are going to close out the Get Hired series with not only one of the best product managers I think I've ever worked with, but also she happens to be my lovely wife, Amy Miller. Uh, So Amy has a long career. Amy was actually a career shifter. She spent a long time in the ad industry as a project manager and took those skills working at uh, a couple of big ad agencies. She worked with Hilton. She worked with, uh, what other companies you work for, Amy? You work for a bunch of big companies. Uh, yeah, um, some, lots of stuff. The Dalai Lama was a client at one point. So anyway, Amy's got a background in, in advertising and project management, which is a very different skill from, you know, software, obviously. But she was able to take a bunch of those project management kind of skills, organizing people, working with teams, the soft skills that are really important, and apply that pretty seamlessly, I think, to uh, software. And so Amy now has been with GE in various roles, GE Power, uh, GE Digital, I think, too, right? And now GE Aviation uh, as, a, as a product manager. Uh, so Amy, welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you on. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So as you know, we are closing out the Get Hired series. And, you know, part of the battle uh, is, is actually, you know, finding a job, getting a job, doing the networking, all that stuff, maybe doing the interview, acing the interview if you're a designer, doing the whiteboard challenge. Um, But once you get the job, right, that's that's when the the, the test really starts. So a lot of people coming into software or, you know, doing UX design or software engineering, they think, oh, it's all about what I know as a developer or as a designer. But that's really not it. So from your perspective, what we want to hear is what makes a really great colleague I would say uh, communication jumps out first to me, Um, making sure that, uh, you know, coming from the product manager side of things, uh, working with development teams, um, speaking up early if there's an issue with something that needs to be delivered. Um, We, uh, you know, work work a lot in sprints, iterations, um, short short periods of, of time for delivery. You know, so if an issue comes up, I wanna know about it sooner rather than later so that I can work with uh, my my other functional product owners um, and stakeholders uh, to let them know, um, hey, just want to let you know that you know there is an issue that came that came up. We might not be able to deliver this, or um, we need to shift in the way that we'll we will be delivering this. Um, you know, making sure that we're we're able to plan accordingly. Uh, it, you know, communicating that early and often. Quick story uh, on early and often. Um, have two kids. Beautiful As, little kids. Yeah, beautiful, two beautiful little children. And so we, we realized that, you know, when we get home from uh, picking them up from school, they uh, are often uh, cranky 
Um, and we realized it's because, uh, you know, they're hungry. Um, but they don't they don't know to say that um, they're three and five now. You know, they don't they don't really know to how to quantify that, uh, you know, where, where that um, frustration is coming from. So we figured out that it was that they were hungry. Um, so what we started doing was coming up with a snack meal plan um, and, you know, planning out a week ahead of time what they would uh, be eating for snack that, you know, that that for that week. And uh, in the mornings, they got it got to a point where they would ask, what's the snack going to be today after school? They, they would ask that. So then we started uh, before they would ask, what's the snack going to be today after school? We would start telling them. So um, and it gives them something to look forward to when they get home. You know, they'll, they'll be able to to look forward to whatever snack it is, like if it's a special Paw Patrol snack or um, my son likes to make these things called banana sticks, um, you know, it, it, they, they get excited about it uh, before that crankiness sets in. So bring it back in, speaking up early if there's, if there's an issue, um, identifying what those issues are, um, and just making sure that you're transparent in your communication. And that, that helps with, you know, being able to plan more accurately. So Derek, how about that analogy? Bro, That's Derek. This uh, is... Derek. <laughs> Derek's the analogy man, but I think you, Amy might uh, might have given you room for your money. I, I want to point out one thing here: that now we know uh, that product managers uh, equate developers and designers as children. <laughs> so the product manager <laughs> is the parent in the room, which you know, I think that's actually probably true. Uh, that's really funny. Um, that's, that's funny. I, uh, so one of, the, one of the teams that I used to work with um, would refer to me as team mom. Um, I felt like I was always, uh, you know, trying to round, round everybody together. Um, you, yeah. you put them in timeout and give them spankings? Uh, no, 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 time, no timeout. No timeout. No spankings. We don't do that. This is 2021. No spankings. <laughs> so one thing I gathered from what you just said, Amy, um, it seems like, first of all, I have a name, a product name for you guys, the Snack Tracker. If you want to use that, you can use that. That's free. Um, we'll have to make a little sticker, the Snack Tracker sticker. I like it. The other thing is when people come into a new job, they do tend to look very internally because they're trying to do a good job. To impress their boss or to you know to meet their goals but what you just said was really interesting it's almost like people also need to kind of keep an eye out for when other people can't express themselves or when they mm. see bad trends or or different things like that to at least notify somebody of those so that they can be addressed absolutely absolutely and that that kind of uh, leads leads into one of the other points that i wanted to talk about um so a product manager is part of your team. You're not working against, uh, you know, it's not the development team versus product manager. It's not the development team and product manager versus your, you know, your, your product owner or your functional owners or your, your stakeholders. You're, you're, you should all be working toward the same goal of delivering specific value to your customers and to your users. Um, and if you're if you're not all working towards that same goal, then there's something else going on there, and you need to you know you need to figure out what that is. But the the product manager is is part of the team. Like you're uh, you want to make sure just as you would you know a, another developer on your team that you're alerting the product manager of what those issues are, so that they can be proactive in addressing issues before they you know come to a head and um, turn into like a big a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you often hear um, this analogy of the three-legged stool within software development with, you know, UX, engineering, and 
and product manager, you know, with the idea that each is is equally important and together they make a sturdy stool. Um, I would argue that, you know, three-legged stool is probably inherently <laughs> not very sturdy and probably needs a fourth leg. But if you had a fourth leg, I think that kills the uh, I think that kills the analogy uh, because you could I guess you could balance mm-hmm. on three legs if you if you uh, really needed to. Um, but anyway, the idea there is that we are all working towards the goal of you know balancing, keeping the thing upright, not tipping over, and and without the others that it fails. And I think you know I've, I've said this a lot. Like you know UXers, you know their job is to have empathy for users, and and often I th- I see that we we don't tend to have empathy for our own team. You know, and we talked with Tom Griever some time ago and, you know, Tom Griever wrote this book, Articulating Design Decisions. And and one of the ways that he found was very effective to uh, express, you know, the reasons behind design was to have empathy for the entire team. You know, a a product manager is asking you for something. It's not because they're a jerk. It's because something happened. They have constraints. They have things going on in their job, maybe even outside of their work that they um, that is influencing what they are asking the rest of the team to do. And I think that's something that just to your point, um, you know, they're asking for these things for a reason. And, and it's our job as developers and, and, and UX designers to understand the larger context, right? Instead of just being like, stop telling me what to do. I just want to do my work. You have to understand the larger context and why these things are even being asked of you to begin with. Absolutely. And I think that points out that, um, you know, communication isn't just one way. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, something that also... Uh, you know, as a developer, your product managers owe to you. Um, you know, they they need to be explicit in you know what does the feature of this product look like and and why. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: in um, in your experience, then working with the developers and the and the UX team, I mean, obviously, I think the product management UX relationship is maybe more obvious because you know the product manager's job is to go and explore and understand the larger context and the problem. That's also part of the job of the UX team, right? How do you design an interface that works for the user if they don't understand the larger context? But maybe from the developer's perspective, what's been your experience and, and maybe things that, that you found that worked really well to get the uh, you know engineering team more involved in that larger process so that they can build that empathy that we talked about? Ah, good question. So, um, so when it comes to UX, um, I, I like to pull in UX... Uh, as as early and as often as as I possibly can, I think it's um, you know beneficial to have them there hearing um, what the the problems coming from the user are, so that they can they can help initiate some you know some user flows and and start uh, with that solutioning, and then bring in you know as we as we get something a little bit more visual, bring in the development team earlier on, you know, before we say like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Bring them in and let them see what the, what the vision is and um, have them, you know, put their heads together and say, actually, if, if we do it this other way, you know, we, we could, we could potentially uh, save, you know, save, save time, um, save six months worth of work. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I like to bring bring the teams in um, earlier rather than when everything is all worked out and ready to start building. And I think that's I, I think I think that's key to uh, not not only helping build a better product but also gaining the trust um, from the team that you are working with. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's huge. I mean, Derek and I worked on a team a couple of years back. And we really made an effort to include the developers in that larger 
context, you know, that larger story so that, you know, they weren't left out in the dark and just said, hey, go build this thing and then not understanding at all the reason behind it. And I think this is something, you know, that, that I've said a bunch. And we, we talked with Brittany Summit, who was our, our TPM actually on that product a few episodes ago. And, you know, for me, I think one of the things that I really liked about that was from a UX designer's perspective, it just it took out, it took an extra meeting off my plate <laughs> because when we included them much sooner, that was one less meeting I had to have later to explain it all to them over again. Um, and it just saved everybody's time, too, aside from just getting them more involved. It just saved everyone's time. Right, right. And when you're when you're talking about doing lean, um, you know, lean transformation, lean agile development, um, you know, whatever, whatever the you know the 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 buzzword the buzzwords are, you know, at the time, um, I I think it's really important to understand that you can't get to that point if you're constantly changing uh, changing things, um, you know, after you start developing. And so, um, like my, myself, I'm I'm not a developer. Um, I went to school for graphic design and, um, I, I don't know how to code anything, you know? So I, w- when it comes to building complex features, I need those experts there to tell me, uh, you know, what, what, what can be done? Um, you know, here's, here's ideas that we have, uh, you know, are we able to make this work in a, a realistic timeline? Because, I, well, we don't want to, you know, associate timelines. Um, with software development, I mean, when you know, when it boils down to it, you have somebody that's paying for a product, um, and they they need it for a specific reason, and usually that reason is tied to, uh, you know, some kind of timing. Yeah, uh, Derek, I'm curious what you think here, but th- this is something I've, I've I've actually seen quite a bit happen when when developers are not included in these meetings up front, and I think like just sort of as as a I guess a little context on why I think I, I, I'm, I'm stressing on this very much is, you know, as we talk about career shifters and people who are coming in new to software engineering, right? These are people who have gone through boot camps or they taught their, themselves how to develop and they, they've gotten those hard skills. But what we want to stress today and with this whole series is the soft skills, the things that like no one's going to tell you in a boot camp, right? They're going to talk, talk to you about, you know, um, what classes mean and what, what uh, object-oriented programming means and all these things. But what they're not going to tell you is you got to partner with your team and you got to partner with your product manager. So that's, that's just a stress, again, why I keep uh, harping on this. One of the things that I've seen time and again when a product manager and a UX team, they go off and they, they might do their discovery on their own. I've, I've seen this so many times where a developer not being there will allow the team to either go off and say something's really easy and plan for it when it's very difficult or the opposite is true where they'll say, oh, that's so too hard. We can't do that as an MVP. That's way more complicated. When a developer would have been in the room and said, no, we actually do that pretty easily. That's actually much easier than some of the other things you're talking about. Um, and so I think that's something that, that um, you know, maybe from a product manager's perspective, if we've got some product managers who are career shifting, who are coming into the role uh, for the first time, um, including those people will actually help you get a more accurate vision whether that's scoping things that would actually be very simple or descoping things that would be very difficult, but it might not seem that way at first glance. Derek, I'm curious, like from your perspective, have you seen that from the from the software side? Yeah, I have actually. That's a really good insight. The tricky thing with including people is there is a perception that a certain type of person um, mm-hmm. Sits in a cubicle all day, uh, pressing buttons on a keyboard. There's not 
much, you know, and a lot of people don't even know what they're pressing. It's almost <laughs> like they're doing incantations on a, on a, uh, they have cauldron in there. They got to stirring some things up, drawing some things on a whiteboard. Most of it looks like, you know, it was written by the Sanderson sisters or something. Um, it's Halloween. I got to throw in the reference. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking about UX designers, right? That's what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm actually talking about programmers, man. Oh, um, I had no idea. All I caught was hocus yeah. pocus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good catch. Um, so yeah, programmers, they're often misunderstood of what they're capable of doing. And I've had a discussion recently with, uh, my team, a few leaders in my organization about the real benefit of having technical people developers involved early and it's sometimes so that they can tell you when you why you don't need a technical solution mm. that's one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle that we don't appreciate enough you know these people have been building software for a long time and sometimes they can just tell you when it's not worth it you know that's absolutely that is so valuable to um, a product manager knowing that. I, I, I think that's a really great point, Derek. Uh, you know, because bottom line, again, there's always a, a budget that's associated with it and some somebody, um, it might not, you know, necessarily be myself or the development team that, that is focused on that budget, but somebody is. Mm. And being able to communicate that up the chain, um, hey, you don't really need to be doing, uh, doing that uh, in order to solve this problem, you could be doing this and saving a lot of money. Um, so I, I, that's that's a, a very, uh, very great point. Yeah. You know, I just had a realization. I, I, I think talking, just hearing what you just mentioned, Derek, about developers and stuff, you know, UX designers, we always talk about how we're problem solvers. We're problem, we're, our job is to solve problems. But I think we're we're missing the fact that developers' jobs are also to solve problems. It's just they use a different tool set, right? I mean, a developer will solve a problem by writing code, but that problem might not always require code. And having a developer sit in there early will tell you that, you know, this problem could be solved in some other way. Maybe it's a front-end or a back-end thing, or maybe it's some other some other way to solve that problem. But um, they'll go and execute it with uh, with code, just like a UX designer will execute with design, um, visually solving the problem for a user. But um, I think that's something to keep in mind, you know, and, and maybe that's that's the takeaway for people coming in new to the industry. You know, your job is not to write code. Your job is to solve the right problem. And you can't just type away and solve the problem. You've got to understand the larger context and partnering with your product managers and your UX designers and everybody else working together, not fighting them and say, let me just go sit in my corner and code. Um, I think that's... That's like a huge takeaway. That's huge. Yeah, it's funny. I think that, uh, you know, we get to the end, quote unquote, of like a product delivery cycle or release cycle or whatever we call them. And we sit back and we just think, oh, man, that thing. I wish I would have known that earlier. Oh, man, if only we would have known that. Geez, that would have made our lives so much easier. And a lot of the things that we find out late in the game are things we could have thought through early on. We run on assumptions a lot of times. And one thing I love about good product managers is they help push back on some of our assumptions. Mm -hmm. They help us understand really why we're doing what we're doing. I'm, I'm curious, Amy, from your perspective, is that something that you see as a valuable piece of the product manager's tool set? Yeah, I mean, I I, th I definitely think that, um, you know, uh, for a development team as a whole, it's you have to be able to walk before you can run. Um, you have to be able to take that time to 
uh, sit down, talk about what, what that problem is, have the whole team understand what problem it is that you're trying to solve and um, work towards you know, uh, the, the best solution for, for that, that case. Um, and, you know, and best, I, I say best solution, um, you know, there might be, you know, restrictions around that, um, you know, whether it be timing or again, budget, um, you know, that, that's things that product managers are, are, you know, taking into account. How do I get, um, get to this ideal solution with the, um, with the restrictions that I have? So curious, though, in, in your experience, um, you've probably seen a lot of things that people have done well and not done well. Do you have any advice on, you know, somebody who's starting out, maybe things to do, things not to do, or just general advice? I don't know. Any, any thoughts? Um, general general advice, I would say, um, to make it a part of team culture, uh, to, to understand that you either succeed together as a team or you fail together. And I use fail in, in air quotes. Um, you fail together as a team. Um, and most importantly, uh, understanding um, that when those, those you know, failures do come or those falls come, um, understanding what the lessons learned are so that you can continuously improve with your team because that's, that's really what is going to make you function better and be able to work faster together. Um, that's what, you know, really is going to get you into that that lean mindset of how to how to work and that that's how you that's how you improve by learning from learning from your failures i love it so learning from your failures collaborate early and often what like some other thing speak up when you hear a problem i think i heard you say that yeah communicate communicate early often collaborate um early and often to um making sure that you you understand that a product manager is is part of the part of the team as a whole and that you all should be working towards the same goal. Um, uh, one thing we didn't talk about was continuous learning. Uh, mm, you know, okay. uh, I, of course, you know, you can do continuous learning for your, uh, you know, your, your skill set that you're, you're developing, but also trying to understand, um, okay, this, this is the role of a, of a product owner, product manager. Uh, maybe if I understand their, their role a little bit more than just me, me working with that person. Um, I, I can, uh, you know, develop empathy for them and understand, you know, why, why are they, you know, l- looking over my shoulder at, you know, the, the, the 11th hour waiting for whatever it is that I'm supposed to deliver. Um, and then making it, you know, part of your team culture to understand that you're, um, there's no finger pointing, you know, as to when something goes wrong, it's really, um, just, okay, there's an issue let's figure out how to address it. What are our options? Um, how do we solve for the, this issue that we ran into? Because there's always gonna be issues. Like you're not gonna be developing a, a product that you know at some point gets, um, gets to be this very complex product uh, and not experience any issues or any defects or you know, anything like that. Um, so you should, mm-hmm. you should expect those things to happen um, because that's, that's the real world, you know, just be re- being realistic, um, you know, it, you expect things to go wrong. Uh, let's figure out how to solve it. So I'm curious, thinking about the parent-child relationship thing, do you ever uh, tell one of your developers, uh, because I'm the product manager, that's why? <laughs> you ever do that? Or because I said so? No, no, I've never I've never actually said that. Um, I do. You want, uh, to. You want there, to, <laughs> No, no, I, honestly, no. I, I mean, I always just look to, look to my team to, you know, tell me like, okay, what, 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 what is the issue and help me, help me figure out 
what it is that I need to tell um, my functional product owners or you know the stakeholders. Like how do how do I put a positive spin on this not so fun news to deliver? Um, you know, and that 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 you know that means that I'm going to be you know asking uh, asking lots of questions. So just you know having patience with with the product mm-hmm. manager when they're asking those questions. Um, goes goes a long way for sure because they those product managers are probably asking those questions for very good reasons and they're trying to trying to figure out how to um, again report back uh, some not 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 so great news uh, in a positive way. It's funny I uh, one one of the teams that I worked with in the past um, we they would they would always get a, a, a little a little rowdy um, in in meetings not rowdy just you know kind of talkative and things would start to go uh to go off and i um i had this one phrase i've never actually said you know because i'm the product manager or anything like <laughs> that but i had I had this this phrase and i would do this these like hand motions um and it was just uh can we and whenever the team would would hear me say can <laughs> Are we you like moving your hands like let's go like can we yeah, yeah, like kind of like you know, waving like, can we like? And I don't, I don't really know. Like, I never really finished the sentence, um, so I always thought it would be funny to uh, to to come up with um, like have a place on a board, you know, when we're in a, in an office. Like, can we? And then just like bullet out a list of like, what could what could I possibly say? Um, I don't know, but every like I would just say, can we? And uh, it would kind of get the team in line, yeah. um, which I always thought was funny. Can we? Yeah, yeah, like can we? Beer? Yeah. Can we, uh, can we get our? Along? Can we stop being little children for a minute, please? <laughs> Does somebody need a snack? As you, as a I never, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know what I would have said if they would have said, "Can we what?" Finish this damn meeting so I can go to lunch. Can we stop asking me questions and get back to work? <laughs> can you pay attention, please? So, Amy, I have a question. What is like, from your perspective as a product manager, the thing that you just like hate the most when? developers or UX designers or somebody does something what if if you're speaking to people who are just starting out in the, in the software career what is like the one thing you want them to know to never do around a product manager um or so this things. isn't this isn't this is this is actually so around not around a product manager but um without the product manager knowing don't start developing something that <laughs> you haven't discussed with the product manager because um mm. That is a, a big way to collect waste, basically. Mm. Um, you know, a waste, a waste of time, waste of money. Um, again, if you don't have an understanding of what that bigger picture is, um, and you just go and start doing your own thing, that's going to cost everybody. That you know, that could mean uh, wasted money, wasted time. Uh, somebody else might have to come in and you know work extra hours um, to you know make sure that you're able to deliver whatever it was that you were supposed to be delivering you know, before you went off and started doing your own thing. So I would say that that's, that's the biggest thing. All right. Derek, Derek had a, uh, an issue once where someone submitted 40,000 line uh, PR. <laughs> or is it 4,000 line? Something like that. He, they, did they push it to dev or, or prod or something and they didn't tell Derek? Yeah, it's uh, a big change. They changed the whole framework. <laughs> they did all this stuff. Unne- I mean, it was all unnecessary. Absolutely unnecessary. You know who you are if you're listening. I, d- <laughs> I doubt this person's listening. Um and it not only did it cause a lot of work to be redone, but it caused a lot of bad feelings, you know? Um, right. People felt like they were steamrolled and they weren't consulted on this big change, and it's kind of unfortunate. Right. 
right. Yeah, same here, right? I mean, if if uh, you're going pushing that stuff because you think it's the right thing to do, imagine, again, building empathy for your team and your product manager. Do you really think that is going to build a good relationship with your product manager? And do you think they're going to include you and stuff? Do you think they're going to like want to uh, work with you in the future if you continue to do things like that? So, Well, not only empathy. Oh, sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. No, go ahead. I was going to say not only empathy, but but also you know that the trust that you need to that partnership that you need to build, um, mm-hmm. or that that partnership that needs to exist between your product manager and development team. Um, you know, if you're uh, going off and doing your own thing, and your product manager knows that okay, in the past this person has gone off and, and done his or her own thing, um, I need to stand over their shoulder and you know, tap my foot while I wait for mm-hmm. this thing that I need because I need this, I need this thing because other people, you know, are, are also waiting on this thing and they're standing over my shoulder now because we weren't able to deliver something that was absolutely needed. Um, so it's, you know, it, it starts to create like a domino effect. Um, yeah, a cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. And when, when you don't have that trust or that partnership, um, that's when I, I, I think there's like a negative perception of, um, Sometimes product managers are uh, trying to micromanage the development team. Um, that isn't isn't always necessarily the case. Sometimes maybe sometimes maybe it is, but uh, you know, for for the most part, um, you know, it's because there there isn't that trust there yet. Um, or they've that, broken the, the trust. Or they've right? broken the trust. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the thing. I think like um, the big takeaway from what you're saying and what I'm hearing you say is essentially you, you screw it up once, they're never going to trust you again. <laughs> so well, if you want your you, autonomy, you can always, don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you can always gain that gain that trust back, but it takes time. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes time to build that build that trust back up, especially if it was, you know, uh, not just a small uh, a small little thing that, that happened. Okay, so the converse side of that, what's the one thing that you wish everybody would do Maybe it's the opposite of what you just said, which is collaborate. But is there something else, something different? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think collaborate. I think collaborating mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, is a big, big key to delivering success. So I was going to say bring donuts. Ooh, that's what I would. I was going to say bring a little presents for the product that, managers. <laughs> donut, donut, donuts is always nice. Um, though I, I mean, I feel like it's twenty twenty one right now. Everybody's kind of. Working from home, some people are in the office. I don't know. It's kind of weird. So ship them a you donut know, via, Jeremy. via just the like, post. Just show them, show them a donut. <laughs> show them a donut. Look at the donut I'm eating you on your can't... on your virtual meeting. <laughs> All right, that's that's awesome, Amy. I love it. So um, the main thing I um, I just want to make sure everybody understands is that product managers think that you're they're the parents and you're the children. That is so... absolutely not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. Um, constant collaboration, constant communication partner early and often and and I would say just like from the developer's perspective and and I think the UX team tends to do this cuz it's it is their job but the the dev team you know encourage the product managers if they aren't including you to include you on meetings and and you want to be involved and you want to understand the larger context um, and I think you know we talked a lot about this in the past too is like understanding the why why are we building this thing what purpose does it serve what value is it bringing to the world or to our users at the very least um, you know, and there are certainly developers who just want to sit in the room and, and type on a keyboard all day, but I don't think that's every developer. So I'm sure if, if, if you are interested in that, I encourage you to, you know, 
speak up and say, hey, I want to be involved. I want to understand. Can I go do some research? Can I review the research notes? Can I see some of the meetings from user interviews or, or things like that? Or, you know, reach out to the UX team. I'm sure the UX team would love to talk through some of this with you. And if you're on a UX team and you think your job is just to design screens all day and is not to partner with the development team, I got news for you. You're doing it wrong. Um, so, you know, I think that's really critical. The developers, you know, I encourage you to go and learn more in UX team. I would encourage you, if you're not, include the developers. Make sure they understand the product as well as you do. It will only help everybody in the long run. Yeah, everybody needs to be on the same page. The whole team. Whole team. And if you don't, time out. No cake for you. No cake. No cake. Time out, no cake. All right, Amy. So we do this little thing. With all of our guests, we call it this or that. So we're going to just ask you a bunch of questions right at the top of your head. Boom, boom, boom. Are you ready? This or that? That sounds great. We're going to start off uh, easy and then we'll work into it. None of them is really meant to trick you up except for the Star Trek one. Make sure you get the Star Trek question correct, okay? All right. Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. All right. Phone call or text? Text. Okay, ice cream, cone, or a cup? Cup. Okay. When you commute, music or podcasts? Music. Music, okay. Uh, aisle or window seat? Window. Form or function? I just, why, why, why this one? <laughs> I feel like I want to say both, but I would say. Function follows form, so... form follows function? Function. Function. I'm with you on that one. I like that one, too. All right. High-tech or low-tech? Low-tech. All right. Love or money? Love. Love. All right. Pen or pencil? Pen. Dot graph or lines on your notebook? Lines. All right. This one's important. Britney Spears music before or after conservatorship? Great question. That is a really good question. Before. Before conservatorship. Okay. Hashtag Britney's, free Britney. Hashtag free Britney. <laughs> so I tried to, uh, full disclosure, uh, Amy and I have been watching all these like Britney Spears documentaries and stuff. Uh, Amy, at first, I was like, oh, this is so stupid. Who cares? She's fucking, you know, Britney Spears, who gives a shit? And the more I've seen this, I'm, more, I'm just like, how is this legal? I'm getting like so like infuriated by how screwed up this whole goddamn conservatorship thing like is. Amy has drawn me in. Yeah. Amy has drawn me in. Thank you, Amy. It um, is so it is so it is so interesting. And I actually walked into the kitchen the other day and heard Britney Spears <laughs> news playing. <laughs> this is a while Jeremy Cook. Never happened. No, no. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's on the podcast. Late Fake night news. podcast. Fake news. Fake after hours. Fake news. Um, I was actually trying to find like a bunch of like funny this or that type like facts about Britney Spears. And I was just like, you know what? This woman's been through enough. I don't <laughs> I don't need to like make fun of Britney Spears. Please I, don't make fun of her. I'm not, well, I'm not making fun. Well, that's why I said I'm not going to do it. Anyway. Um, I, I couldn't find any other ones, so I don't have any other Britney Spears questions, so I apologize for that. But anyway, Amy has Amy has drawn me in. She's drawn me in, Derek. <laughs> You've been speared. I don't know what to do. All right, so we got a few more. We have timers almost up here. Mountains or beach? Beach. My, my lady. Beach, I like it. All right. Um, when you go swimming, 
well, this is a stupid question. When you go to the beach, I don't even know what I was saying. When you go to the beach, uh, do you swim in the water or do you sunbathe? Both. Both. Great. All right. Great answer. I like it. All right. Um, sneakers or flip flops? Mm, flip flops. All right. Bowling or putt putt? I know all the answers to all these, but I, I putt, just putt. Can't ask for everybody. Yeah, of course. Putt putt. Um, what's your favorite putt putt course? Um, uh, Hidden Lagoon in Panama City. Yeah, that was, I love that one. Um, that was a fun trip. All right. Um, no one else was there but you and me and the kids, and they don't know what we're talking about, but that's okay. Who cares? All right. Um, it's been there since the 80s, so um, there might be, there might be one or two other people that know about it. Dude, when I was a kid, we used to go to Destin, and it was like a, kind of a long, it was like an hour drive to Panama City. But we would drive to Panama City to go to that go-kart place right behind it because the go-kart track was like a mile long. And I would literally just ride the go-kart for like half an hour. <laughs> I think my parents were like, just like, yeah, whatever. Just go and ride and we'll, we'll just be here just hanging out. And it probably gave them some peace and quiet for a minute. All right. Um, I think that's it. That's enough. We've been talking for a little while. Um, anyway, so that's awesome. So everybody knows now that um, you like to do both for a lot of these things. And that's good. Nothing wrong with that. A little form, a little function, a little sunbathing, a little uh, swimming. Dip your toes in, your little toes in the in the water. And she likes putt-putt. And All Britney right. Spears. Well, you forgot and to ask the most Britney important Spears. one. What? Which one? Amy. Star, Star, Star Trek, Trek or Star, Star Wars? Wars? Oh, shit. I thought I did. I, I Amy, was like Amy, going Amy, down Amy. the list. I'll take care of this one, Jeremy. <laughs> you, it, you, you blew it. <laughs> Amy, Star Trek oh, Star I blew Wars? It. So being married, to, being, being married to Jeremy... I have, um, uh, I've, I've previously seen all of the Star, Star Wars uh, movies. Um, I like Star Wars, uh, but I'm going to go with Star Trek to keep the peace yeah. in the household. <laughs> you made a wise oh, decision. She's a smart woman. <laughs> um, I, married a, I married a smart woman, Derek. I really did. I know you did. I couldn't have asked for a better wife. Got to pick your battles. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I could have asked her all kinds of stuff about like chewing ice or like tapping, um, but uh, you know, I don't think anyone out there cares about that. some of her favorite uh, <laughs> of your of your habits. Maybe I, right. I was expecting I was expecting more uh, more Britney Spears, uh, like "Hit Me Baby One More Time" or "Oops, I Did It Again." You know, uh, definitely well, definitely yeah. "Hit Me Baby One More Time." All right. Okay. Well, then you answered your own question. So um, <laughs> I asked Derek earlier for some some really good Britney Spears, uh, but I think I asked too late. Oh yeah, so I didn't get back to. So I was in a meeting, yeah. and I didn't. Have I was time. In, I was meeting as well. <laughs> We're professional meters. Oh man, I didn't. You know, I, I was like kind of trying to like the line between like, is this offensive to Britney? Like, I don't want to make fun of you know what I mean. So anyway, I was trying to think of stuff about like schoolgirl outfits and all this. I'm like, she, you know, she's like 16 or 17 at the time. It's just weird. Yeah. I'm like 40 weird. talking about a 16-year-old woman. I just like, you know what? I'm not even going to try. Yeah, and hopefully so by the time this airs, she is a free woman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, today is what? The 28th? The 28th. Tomorrow and is what, the is the big day. Oh, the 29th. Right. So, yeah, we're probably going to release this later this week and it'll probably, we'll know. God we'll willing. have to <laughs> do like a, a retro bite follow up. Yeah, after it's, it's all <laughs> Brittany. We we'll get you back on, Amy. <laughs> oh my God, I would totally. I would oh, be so down for that. Please I do think, uh, have me back on Catherine, to talk about Brittany. Is Catherine also into Brittany? Well, yes, we'll get Catherine on as well. So we'll Catherine the whole, and then like crew. everybody. I feel like the more this is, everybody's just getting so worked up about it. Bullshit. I Let's just cannot believe that this Brittany. is like still legal. Anyway, it's just fucking crazy. All right. So that's it. All right. Um, so that was fun. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, remember, uh, if you if you act up, 
in your meeting. You're going to get in timeout. Don't do it. Um, check us out on RetroTimePodcast.com. Uh, buy some stickers, RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. And if you want to leave a five-star review, check out RetroTimePodcast.com slash reviews. And we'll tell you all about the whole uh, write a review, get a song. Um, check out all the all the awesome review jams Derek's written. We still got a few more we got to write, but we're slowly getting through it. And uh, until next time, y'all, that is it from me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Take it easy, guys. Bye, y'all. Bye. See, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of a funny analogy that relates Jeremy, to I got parent one. teacher. I got Let one. Let me give it to me. Parent uh, teacher. What? It's not. A, it's not really an analogy. It's more of a joke I just came up with. Let me see what <laughs> you guys think. What do you call a failure? It's very slow. Slow going. The snail year. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh geez. What are you a dad? Can we get our can we stop being little children for a minute, please? <laughs>